welcome to the sermon podcast for Ashburn Baptist Church, Chicago. We pray the message you are about to hear is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. Today we're continuing a series called Disciples, and I truly believe that you can grow in your faith today. That's a lie the devil tells us all the time, that it's too late, you can't grow, you can't get closer to who God wants you to be, and that is a lie straight from the devil. You can grow in your faith today. See, did you know that you are called by God to be a disciple of Jesus? That's a word that we find all throughout the New Testament, but it's far more than just a word. It's a calling. It's an open invitation, a phrase that we find all throughout the Bible where Jesus says to men and women, follow me, follow me. But what does it look like to follow Jesus? And how do we know if we are doing it right or wrong? Well, so far, we've been asking ourselves a series of questions to help us determine whether or not we are doing this whole discipleship thing correctly. And if you've missed any one of these weeks, you can actually go back on our Spotify or our YouTube or our iTunes podcast and find these messages. And I cannot encourage you enough to do so because they're going to help you in your spiritual journey. So far, we've asked ourselves, am I a follower of Jesus? Am I a follower of Jesus? Do I know Jesus or do I know about Jesus? Am I sitting or am I serving? Is Jesus my one of many or my one and only? Am I blending in or standing out? And this week, we're going to ask our final question, our sixth and final question to help us determine if we're doing this whole discipleship thing right. And it's this, am I willing to pay the cost? Am I willing to pay the cost? Because I believe that following Jesus comes with a cost. And I wonder, are you willing to pay it? Are you willing to pay the price to follow Jesus? You know, I've learned a lot about cost over the past several months. I have learned in these past almost nine months that babies are expensive. And some of you parents are laughing because you know it hasn't even started. But I've been crunching some of the numbers. I've been counting the cost. And did you know that my son, who I have not even met yet, but love with all of my heart, will go through 2,700 diapers in his first year on planet Earth? 2,700 diapers. And if he's anything like his dad, it might be north of that. 2,700 diapers. That is seven and a half diaper changes per day. I've never changed a diaper in my life. And I'm about to have to do it maybe seven and a half times a day. If I'm the cheapest dad on the planet and I go find the cheapest diapers available in the United States, did you know that I'm going to be paying 15 cents per diaper? That means that if I'm the cheapest dad on planet Earth and I'm okay with my son having blowouts and being the rashiest dude in the nursery, at a minimum, I'm going to spend over $400 this year on diapers. And I'm not the cheapest dad on Earth. I can't have this rashy dude going up in a nursery. I can't be cleaning up after him every few minutes. I'm going to buy him the mid-range diapers at least, which means I'm looking at spending around $600 on diapers this year. And as I've been preparing to be this whole fatherhood thing, I've counted the costs. I've understood that this is going to cost me something, but that's the thing. If it's valuable to me, then it has value. And if it has value, then it costs something. Jesus pays the greatest price that he could ever pay when he died on the cross for me and you. To him, we had value. And now 
Jesus is coming to us and he's offering us what I believe to be the greatest invitation of all time, the greatest opportunity that you could ever have to follow Jesus. Something so valuable has value. And something with value costs us something. It has a price. If it's profitable to me and you, then it will have a price for us to pay. See, following Jesus comes with a cost, but what is it? And am I willing to pay it? Today we're going to look at the total costs of being a follower of Jesus. And we're going to talk about what each one of these things mean in you and your life right now. Get to determine whether or not you're willing to pay the price. You get to determine in these moments whether or not you want to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. First of all, being a disciple of Jesus will cost you wherever. It means wherever. If you have your Bible or your phone or your iPad, take that out today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9. Luke 9, that's where we're going to be all morning this morning. If you don't, that's okay. We'll throw the verses on the screen. At the end of Luke 9 and verse 57, we find somebody in a similar situation as you. He's been given an open invitation to follow Jesus. Jesus is just given this heart-throbbing call to follow him, and a certain man gets excited about it. He goes up to Jesus, and he says this phrase in verse 57. As they were going on the road, somebody said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Wow. Man, that sounds right to me. That sounds like the exact kind of person that Jesus would want following him. Am I right? And yet we find in verse 58, Jesus' response where he says this. Jesus says to him, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man, me, God himself, has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus basically looks at this guy who just said, I'll follow you wherever. And he says, bro, I'm homeless. Hold on a minute. This wannabe follower is now having second thoughts. This certain man is all of a sudden changing his story. He's saying, Jesus, when I said wherever I meant, as long as I have a place to stay, as long as I have food and clothes and water, as long as I have all my necessities met, Jesus, then wherever. Man, as long as you take care of A, B, C, and D, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Man, I wonder if we have any disciples, followers of Jesus in this place this morning who truly say in their heart, God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And that is amazing if you are. If you are willing to go wherever God wants you to go, then that is an incredible thing. That is a cost that you are willing to pay. You're willing to go wherever God wants you to go to do his work, to share the gospel, to do good to those around you. But I wonder... What if you're already at the place God wants you to be and you're not following Jesus the way that you should? Like what if God's whatever for your life is in the job that you already have? What if where God wants you to follow him, what if where Jesus wants you to be a disciple of him, what if wherever is your home? What if wherever is your school? What if wherever is your neighborhood or when you're with your friends? What if God's already placed you in the wherever that he wants you to be, but you're not following him now? Maybe you are in a place, but you're not where God wants you to be. Maybe when God says wherever to you, he literally means a physical location. 
Maybe that is a job change. Maybe that is a different neighborhood. Maybe that is a different context. Maybe it's a completely different country. I know God calls Christians all the time to take the gospel all around the world. So what if wherever for you is a place like Afghanistan or Chile or Burma? Adoniram Judson was one of America's first foreign missionaries. He fell in love with a woman named Anne, and he asked for her hand in marriage. But before he would allow her to say yes, he wanted her to understand the dangers. Because he knew that God was calling him to be a missionary in a country called Burma. Before Adoniram let Anne say yes, he wanted her to understand all of the possibilities, all of the dangers, all of the struggles that they could face. That they could even be willing to put their lives at stake to share the gospel. And understanding all of these things, still said yes. So after they got married in 1813, they left for Burma. And sure enough, they had struggle after struggle, difficulty after difficulty. Some of those difficulties and struggles are recorded for us, and we can learn about them today. One of them that is listed is that in 1824, Adoniram was put in prison for sharing the gospel. A thought for some of us in the United States that seems foreign. Contrary to what our Constitution would say to us that we have the right to do, and here he is sharing the gospel, being imprisoned for the words that he's saying about Jesus. In prison at night, they would hang him upside down from his feet so that only a shoulder and part of his head could be touching the ground, holding him up. Mosquitoes would rip apart his body in the 110 degree heat. He was served rotten food every other day. While going through this tremendous struggle and pain, his wife was pregnant with their child. And every day she would leave her home and walk two miles to the place where Adoniram was in prison and beg that they release him, but every day return without him. She wasn't eating, and therefore she wasn't producing the milk for her newborn child that she had. And so she started to make these journeys, begging for Adoniram to be released. And when they refused, she would then make a journey into town where she would beg for other women to feed her child. And this continued for some time. Finally, Adoniram was led out of prison one year later. He was crippled from hanging upside down. He was blind from a disease that he contracted. The following year, his wife died of spotted fever. Wherever? Wherever, huh, God? What if wherever is a place like Burma? What if wherever is going to cost me something? What if wherever costs me even my own life? Well, remember, remember, if it's costing you something, then it has value. And if it has value, then it is valuable. The higher the cost, the higher the value. Did you know that right now in Burma, there are 3,700 churches that can be traced back to the work of Adoniram and Ann Judson? Hundreds of thousands of people are in heaven right now because Adoniram and Anne said, God, wherever you want us to go, we'll go. And maybe God is working in your heart right now. Maybe he's placed you in your wherever, but you're not following Jesus the way you should. Or maybe you're in a place where you know you shouldn't be because he's calling you to be in another place. I want to challenge you today, Christian. Surrender wherever. God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Wherever you want me to be, I'll be. God, speak your direction, and I will follow because the safest place for me to be is in the center of God's will. Man, I just want to follow Jesus. 
It might not be prison, but speaking out for Jesus is going to have consequences. It, it might not be worth it to have all the comforts. It might be dangerous, but listen, it is always worth it to follow Jesus. Wherever it is, whatever it looks like, being a disciple of Jesus will cost us wherever. Secondly, being a disciple of Jesus will cost me whenever. Wherever he wants me to go, whenever he wants me to go there. In Luke chapter 9, we find another wannabe follower of Jesus. A wannabe. Somebody who said that they're willing but are in fact not. They are a poser. Jesus comes up to this wannabe follower, and we don't know much about this wannabe except for his excuse. Luke 9, 59, another comes up to him, and Jesus says to him, follow me. That man says, Lord, first, let me go and bury my dad. Now, now think about it. This man has just been offered the same two-worded invitation that's been given to you and I. Follow me. And had this man said yes, there would have been 13 disciples instead of 12. We would know his name. We would know who this wannabe was because we'd see God work through him in the years to follow, but he did not say yes. Instead, he says, okay, God, but first, let me go bury my dad. Now, to me and you, that sounds like a pretty good excuse. Like a dad just passed away, sure, go and bury your father. But I want you to understand some context. In my study, I've discovered that this man's father was most likely not even dead. So when he tells Jesus, hey, hold on, Jesus, let me first go and bury my father, what he was really saying is wait for my mom and dad to die. When my mom and dad die, then I'll follow you. Because for whatever reason, he was willing to follow Jesus, just not yet. Now, don't get me wrong. He's going to follow Jesus. In his mind, one day he will be a follower, but not today. Because today he's got some obligations. Today he's got some people that are counting on him. And it's just not convenient for him to follow Jesus right now. It wasn't a matter of if he would follow Jesus. It was a matter of when he would follow Jesus. He wasn't just saying no. He was saying not right now. And here's how Jesus responds in verse 60. Jesus says to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. He says, hey, let those things take care of themselves, but for you, you have a calling, and the calling has a time slot, and the time slot is now. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I believe this passage represents a lot of believers. Believers who want to follow Jesus. Believers who plan to follow Jesus. Believers who want to be disciples, just not Yet. And we can sit through services like this and sermons like this where the Spirit of God is moving and working and not feel convicted. Because in our minds and in our hearts, we're going to follow Jesus eventually, just not right now. And so we give ourselves a pass for not being all in. We let ourselves off the hook for our lukewarm faith because we're not telling Jesus no. We're just telling him not now. And I can say this with confidence because that's my story. For a long time, when God offered me that two-worded invitation to follow him, and he said, follow me, I would respond with, tomorrow. Like everybody in my life knew that I wanted to be a pastor and that I wanted to surrender my life to ministry, but right now, it was kind of inconvenient. 
through high school and college right now, I really just wanted to do what I wanted to do, have what I wanted to have, be who I wanted to be, but I felt okay with it because one day I'll follow Jesus. Even through college, I had that same dilemma, Bible college, by the way, where if I skip church, it's okay, because one day I'll go to church every single weekend, like there's no way out if you're a pastor. You know, now I look back at it, and a lot of the friends that I went to high school with and college with, they aren't even in church right now. They haven't been for years. I would feel relatively confident in saying, they don't spend time with God in the Bible. For a few of them, I would feel very confident in saying they don't care about God. For several of them, I would say that they're probably not even saved and they would tell you that they have no faith. And now here I am standing in front of you as your pastor and I have to ask myself, what if when God first called me to follow him, I had said yes? When God was calling and working in me to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and he was saying, hey, the time and the time is now. Go and proclaim. I know you're in high school, but go and proclaim. I know it's inconvenient, but go and proclaim my gospel, my truth, my kingdom. What if I would have done it when God first called me to it? Which of my friends would still know God? Which of my friends would be saved because of my testimony? Which of them would not be in a life of struggle and difficulty had I just lived for God the moment he first called me to? Church, I want to challenge you and encourage you today with a statement that rings true in my heart and in my mind. Don't delay, follow today. Don't delay, follow today. Don't delay, follow today. Jesus says, go and proclaim, go and proclaim, go and proclaim. And I believe that it is now more than ever that Christians must stand up in their workplaces and in their homes and in their schools and in their places and their community and stand proclaiming that Jesus is God and that through him we can have eternal life. Don't push that off. We're talking about things that have eternal consequences and who in your life would follow Jesus if you would, right now. He said, Josh, it's not really convenient for me. I'm not sure it was super convenient for Jesus to take those nails into his hands and to his feet. Josh, you don't understand my family life right now. You don't know what my parents would say or my kids would say. I'm not sure it was super easy for Jesus to hear those mockeries from the crowd, even though he had the power to leave the cross. See, following Jesus comes with a cost, and it's because it has value. It will cost you something. It will cost you wherever. It will cost you whenever. But there is a third thing that I believe that it will cost us. Those of you who can follow alliteration, you probably know it. It will cost you whatever. Wherever, whenever, whatever. In Luke 9, we find a third wannabe a third poser follower of Jesus. And again, Jesus offers this man the same tour invitation that he's offering you right now. He says, follow me. Here's where we find it in verse 61. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. Man, that sounds like a really good start. Finally, like a guy who just says, hey, I'll follow you. But we finish it because he keeps going. If he would have just stopped, that was the perfect response. He says, I will follow you, Lord, but 
let me first say farewell to those that are at my house. Again, that's a really good excuse. Like it sounds really good. Jesus, cut this guy some slack. Let him go say goodbye to his family and to his friends. It sounds like a good idea, right? But I want you to understand that in Jewish culture, goodbyes would take weeks, maybe even months. There would be parties and late night talks. There would be more parties and inheritances and families would come and visits and friends would hang out. That's the goodbye. That's the send off that he wanted. See, he was willing to follow Jesus, but he also wanted to get what he could have. He had some priorities. That's why he uses the word, but God, first, let me go say goodbye. Jesus responds to him in verse 62, where he says, nobody who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus says, if you're my disciple, you have a work to do. And if you have a work to do, then you got to keep your eyes forward. You can't be distracted by what could have been or what would have been. You got to stay focused on what God has for you. He says, I don't need followers who are willing to do the work of God, but look over their shoulders, wondering what could have happened. I don't need you looking back. I want it all. Jesus didn't want half-hearted devotion. He didn't want followers with one foot in and one foot out. He wanted followers who were fully devoted, committed to following him wherever, whenever, whatever. I wonder today, church, Christian, what's the one thing that you won't let go of to follow him? What's the one thing you refuse to part with? What's the one thing that you keep looking over your shoulder at wondering what it would be to follow Jesus, but knowing what you have and you're refusing to let it go. William Borden could have been known by a lot of things. He was smart, he was wealthy, he was talented. After he graduated high school, he went on a mission trip to Europe. While in Europe, God worked through his ministry. People were saved, people were surrendering their lives to God. God was working in hearts, but for William, the most important heart that he worked in was his own. While on that trip, the the talented, wealthy, successful young man named William Borden surrendered his life to do whatever God wanted him to do. He spent several days thinking about it and praying about it until finally one day he prayed out to God and said, God, whatever you have for me, that's what I'll do. God began working in his heart and he said, God, God said that he wanted him to be a missionary. So William Borden took his Bible. He opened it up to the front cover where he wrote two words, one phrase. He wrote the phrase, no reserves. He didn't have any doubts. He knew what God wanted him to do. He was being called to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. When he got back home, he told about it. He told his dad about how God had been working in his life. He told his father about the decision that he made. His dad was not happy about it. His dad's plan for his life was to take over the family business and to be local so that he could see the grandkids and spend time with them. But he agreed that if William would at least attend Yale University, that he would give him his blessing to go to the mission field. And William agreed to go to Yale. While at Yale, his father died and left millions of dollars to William. William talked about it in his memoirs and his diary. He talked about how he considered taking the money and just doing good in his community. But he felt like it would have been a cop-out 
because he knew that God was calling him to something more. In those moments where he felt pressure to give in and quit on the dream that God had given him, he took his Bible once again and under that phrase where he wrote no reserves, he wrote a second phrase that had two words that said no retreats. He wasn't giving in, he wasn't backing down, he was gonna keep on going because he knew that God had a plan for his life. William Borden did go off to the mission field. He went to Egypt to be a missionary. While he was there, he contracted a disease called spinal meningitis. And one month later, William Borden died at the age of 25. 25. He was buried on the mission field that he came for in Cairo, Egypt. After William died, they took all of his belongings and they shipped them off to his family. And his family began looking through them, including his Bible. They were looking at some of the scribblings that he had written down and they opened it to the very first page where they found not just two phrases, but three phrases. They saw the first phrase that said, no reserves, and they could tell that he wasn't holding anything back from Jesus. Jesus, it's all yours, no doubt about it. They saw that second phrase, no retreat, where William clearly had a moment in his life where he just said, God, times are tough and I'm being tempted, but I'm not turning around. I'm gonna keep on following you. But they found, they found a third phrase. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets. Just a couple of days before he died, he took his Bible once again and penned those two words, no regrets. Moments before he would lose his life from a disease that he got on the mission field that God called him to, he regretted nothing, even in death. You know, if God is working in your heart this morning, to surrender your life to him. To be a disciple of Jesus, I cannot tell you enough, it is so worth it. It is worth it to follow Jesus. There is no greater calling, there is no greater opportunity that will ever be given to you than when Jesus says to you, follow me. But before you just jump in, know that it's gonna cost you something. You've gotta be willing to surrender your wherever. You have to be willing to surrender your whenever. You have to be willing to surrender your whatever with no reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. Christian, I wonder today, are you willing to accept the invitation that's being given to you? The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That means God is in this place. And in these moments, he's offering you that phrase. Follow me. What are you going to do with your calling? Are you going to casually be a fan? Or are you going to follow with a passionate pursuit and a total surrender? Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any prayer requests or questions about your spiritual life, we would love to pray for you. Or if you would just like more information about visiting us in person, please email us at chicago at ashburnbaptist.com or visit our website, ashburnbaptist.com slash Chicago.